talked to you about being loved by God. And it's that revelation of being loved by God that provokes us to, to do the things that God is calling us to do. We've been singing a lot recently, haven't we? Um, I build my life. Um, declaring the worthy, um, declaring God is worthy of all our praise, declaring that we will live for him, singing that we will build our life upon his love. It's a firm foundation. And it's a really popular song at the moment in the Christian circles. And um, um, and we'll probably get to sing that a bit later as we respond to um, what the Lord is speaking to you about this morning. But I want to provoke you this morning to contemplate God's love being your firm foundation. Maybe to challenge you, Koffer was saying he feels challenged by me, maybe provoked sometimes. I want us all to feel challenged and provoked this morning. Challenge yourself. I'm not saying that I am, the things that I'm going to say is going to challenge you. Maybe it's the spirit of God within you will challenge you and provoke you this morning to some way think about, is it true for you that the love of God is your firm foundation? Are you building your life upon the love of God? Would your life be any different if you understood how much God loves you and has blessed you. You see, understanding the love of God and understanding how it is our firm foundation which we choose to build our lives upon affects every aspect of our lives. It affects our identity, our purpose. It affects our faith and our hope. That's why God's love is foundational for our life. It shapes everything in our lives. And what we believe about ourselves and how we see others is shaped by believing that we are loved. The love of God is everlasting. It never ceases. And if we build our lives on this love, welcome it, open ourselves to it, be rooted and established in the love of God, It will continually shape who you are. It will shape what you believe about yourself. It will shape what you believe about your purpose in life, your identity. And it will shape how you see other people. In 1 Corinthians 5, it says, It's Christ's love that compels us to be and do all that brings glory to God. And we can read in 1 Corinthians um, 13 about what love is. It says, without love, everything is meaningless. Without love, it all amounts to nothing. And we are told in Corinthians 13 what love is and what love isn't. And it ends with this verse in verse 13. It says, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. You know, this got me to think about that if all that remains is faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love, it got me thinking about, well, what makes love greater? And I was just thinking about that and pondering that. 
See, you wouldn't be wrong that thinking that faith is foundational to our Christian living. Faith is foundational to our Christian living. In Hebrews 11 verse 6, it tells us that without faith, it is impossible to please God because we can't come to him unless we believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. It's by faith that we hear what the Lord is saying to us, and it is by the Holy Spirit that we respond to that word. And it is by faith that we act in obedience as we hear his word, hear what he's saying to us. You would neither be wrong to think that hope is also foundational to our Christian living. Hope helps us to fix our eyes on Jesus, on the kingdom of God. And it helps us to see that there is so much more to life than what we are experiencing. Hope gives us strength and comforts us when things are really rubbish around us in our lives. In 1 Thessalonians 4.13, it says that we do not grieve like mankind who have no hope. We have a hope because we get to be raised up in Jesus and, and have a life that's full with him, to live with him forever. We have hope because in Revelation 21, it describes what this future looks like, where there will be no more crying, there will be no more tears. Now, I don't know um, if this is what makes love the greatest of these, but I imagine what makes love greater than faith and hope is that hope, faith and hope is for this life, this earthly life. Faith and hope gives us courage to live this life with heavenly wisdom and obedience. Love does that too, but there is something eternal about love. And I would like to suggest that what makes love the greatest of these, and I'm open for you to correct me, <laughs> it's because love, it was because of love that God created the world. It's love that compels us to live for Christ. And love will continue for all of eternity. When everything else ceases, when everything else is gone, there will be love. It's because of love that he created you, designed you, chosen you, gave you a reason and a purpose to be here in this world. It's because of love that he did not want heaven to be without you. So he sent Jesus to save us. Ephesians 1 verse 4 to 5, it says, For he chose us in him because before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. He loved you, chose you before the creation of the world. It was for his pleasure 1 Peter 2.9, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You are his special possession. You are to declare his praises. Colossians 3.12, God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. You are chosen holy and dearly loved. 1 John 4, 9 to 10. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. 
Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. He loved us so much that he gave his son so that we could have life, so that we can be forgiven and set free from all shame and guilt. It's because he first loved you that you are able to love him in return. It's because his love for you that you are able to have faith in Jesus, to have hope of a future. It's because of his love that he chose you. You are his treasured possession, dearly loved children, and he created you with a destiny and a purpose. Before you were anything, he already loved you. Before you did anything, your life, in your life, whether it's good or bad, he loved you. He has a purpose for you and loves you no matter what you have or haven't done. We don't have to prove anything to our heavenly father because his love is unconditional. We don't have to achieve anything. You know what I'm trying to say, don't you? I can't even say it what's wrong with me. You don't have to try and get loads of stuff <laughs> to be worthy of his love. He has already decided when he created you that you are worthy of his love. He already approves of you. He accepts you. Even in our rejection of him, he demonstrated his love. When you rejected him, he still demonstrated his love. When you rejected him, he still came after you. When you rejected him, he still loved you. And he died on the cross for us. It's because of his love we have faith and we have hope. Without, be, without love being our foundation, we are those who have no faith. We are those who have no hope. So when his love is foundational in your life, it will build you up. It will give you strength and comfort you despite what's going on around you. When love is foundational in your life, it will compel you to live in obedience to him. As we love Jesus in return, have faith in Jesus and put our hope in a better future, it gives us the courage to be obedient to Jesus. I'd like to take you to the parable of the lost sheep in Luke 15 says this, Luke 15, verse 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. Jesus talks of a, a shepherd who will leave the 99 to go search out for the one that is lost. 
He will always find the lost sheep. And when he finds that sheep, he rejoices, he celebrates. The shepherd takes the sheep and puts the sheep on his shoulder and celebrates with all the, his friends the, that he's found his, shepherd, his sheep. The shepherd needs to find the sheep because the sheep had wandered off and from the protection of the flock, away from the protection of the shepherd. It was a risk of being attacked and killed by wild animals. If it wasn't attacked and killed, it may have fallen from a great height and injured itself or maybe died. It could have got trapped in or stuck in some briars or bushes. It might even have been stolen by a thief that would have taken it for himself. The one sheep was important to the shepherd. He wanted to rescue that sheep from the fate that he might face if he wasn't back in the flock. The shepherd didn't think that, well, I have 99, I will cut my losses, you know. He, but he, instead, he actually left the 99 and he went for the one and he rejoiced when he found it. Jesus was being criticized by the teachers and Pharisees for welcoming sinners, tax collectors, and, and eating with them. It was a dis disgrace to the teachers and Pharisees to be with those that are unclean, to be those, with those that, that are seen to be unworthy, marginalized, sinners. They're not good enough. It was, dis it was a disgrace to be with the people of the world when you were a teacher or a Pharisee in those days. But the way that Jesus saw the tax collectors and the sinners, the marginalized, the unclean, those that were considered as unworthy, was like that sheep who had wandered off and got lost. He saw those who were brokenhearted or caught up in the world as individuals worthy to be rescued, worthy to be loved. You know, he sees you. He sees the situation that you are in. He sees the times when you reject him. He sees the times when you go your own way and you think, do you know what, I can do this better on my own. He sees that. But he comes to you. He comes to you because of his love for you. You know that some of the biggest questions that mankind is always asking is, who am I? And if we're not careful, we, we look to, to whoever's voice is the loudest to tell us who we are. And so often the world will tell you that you are... You are um, who, you are the one... You are described by what you have. The world will sometimes tell you that you are by what you have. You are what people will say about you. So we get all wrapped up in what people will say about us and we get defended or offended or upset, depressed when we feel that people are saying things that, that um, are not fair or not true. You know, the more we listen to the world, then we strive to have more, to achieve more, 
to when we become more concerned about what people say about us. Our identity is shaped, if we are listening to the world, it is shaped by the world. We lose ourselves, we become lost, we become suspicious of others, jealous that others ha are more successful. We compare ourselves and become depressed. We, we try to be something that we are not. We become that lost sheep. And Jesus says, it's a lie. Jesus says, I have come to reveal to you who you are. I have searched you out. I see you lost in this world and I can see you. You are first of all loved. You are a son or daughter of God. I have called you. I knew you before the foundation of the world and I have fashioned you and given you a destiny to live a life of fruitfulness fruit that can be given away. And before you were ever lost in this world, I had chosen you. You belong to me and I belong to you. If we don't build our lives on the unconditional love of God, all that we achieve for ourselves, all that we try to gain for ourselves, all the reputation that we, we try and work hard to get, becomes meaningless, amounts to nothing. The world wants you to believe that you are not loved. And if you want to be loved, then you've got to try harder. You've got to have more. The world wishes you to constantly be like that lost sheep in the world, away from the flock, away from the church, and away from your heavenly father. The world would have you think that you can do this on your own and you have to make it on your own. But Jesus is the good shepherd who comes for you. He looks for you. And when he finds you and you receive him, he rejoices over you. He tells you that he loves you. And his love is not dependent on what you have done what you have gained for yourself. Jesus says to you, let me show you who you are. Let me show you who I saw when I fashioned you. When I saw you before the foundation of the world, let me tell you who I saw. And when we build our lives on what the world is saying, there is pain, there is anguish, there is discomfort, there is loss. Disappointment, rejection. And we get hurt because those who love us are broken. Those who love us in this world are imperfect. We expect more from people around us, but their love is limited. We get anxious and frustrated and disappointed when we are not rooted in the firm foundation of God's love. People get into relationships hoping they will meet all of their needs. Then they realize that they're not perfect and this other person's not perfect and we all fall short in some way to perfectly give what is needed. You know, any one of us can say something that will hurt the other person. We long for unconditional love because we were made for unconditional love. 
That's what we're looking for. Deep down in our, our hearts, we are looking for unconditional love. And we, we're looking for it sometimes in the world and the people around us. But they're as broken just as much as we are. And the only way we have that unconditional love, where you are loved no matter what you've done, no matter what you've managed to achieve or attain, you are loved. Like... Um, a lost sheep getting stuck in briars and thorn bushes. We can sometimes cover up the lack in our lives because we're looking around us to have those things fulfilled. We can turn and find ourselves in some kind of addiction. And I'm not talking about drugs and alcohol. We, there's all, all kinds of addictions. It's anything that will distract us from this, the thing that we're feeling, from the, the lack in our lives. Jesus says in John 15 to remain in his love. Because when we remain in his love, we bear fruit. But when we're outside of this love, our lives are fruitless. We can't bear fruit unless we remain in his love. And I'd like to read some of that. If you want to turn to John 15, I'm going to read verse 5 to 9. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. And such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. The lost sheep will not be fruitful. It won't be who it was always meant to be. And unlike the world that tells us that we have to work harder, achieve more, be somebody, Jesus tells us that fruitfulness in our lives is, is not by anything that we do, but it's the power of God at work in our lives. So there's nothing that we can do to be fruitful apart from remaining in his love, building our lives on his love. And then the fruit is produced in our lives by the power of God. His love is foundational for our life to be blessed, useful, and fruitful. When our lives produce fruit, we are the most useful people on the planet of the earth. This fruitfulness is, is God reproducing himself in us and reproducing himself so that we can be out there in the world so that other people experience this amazing love of God. In the way God sees past our brokenness and embraces us when we build our life on God's love we are then enabled to see past other people's brokenness when we build our lives in the love of God we become like Jesus in the story who welcomed 
the sinners and the rejected. Because we see past what everybody else sees and it becomes a barrier for them. Building our lives on the love of God means that when suffering comes and things are hard, we live from his embrace, from his love. You know, sometimes like when I'm really struggling and, and there has been time, I'm sorry if you're squeamish, okay, but I have been really struggling re recently um, with um, the menopause. And you know what? It, it, it makes me emotional in ways I've never experienced in my life. And there's been times when I've even gone through, like, feeling the sense of, like, self-loathing, self-rejection, all those kind of feelings that come up, um, emotions and all of that, just because, like, something's going on in my body. And in those times when I'm, like, crying on my bed or whatever, I just go to God and I say, God, right now I just need to know your love for me. Right now, God, I need to know that, that you love me and that, that you see past the things that I'm, that I'm loathing in my life. You see past the things that are broken in my life. And... Um, and I have to really, really depend on his love. You know, he loved us before the foundations of the world. And he, he will love you for all of eternity. And it is this love that we are to build our lives upon. We can't live this life and be fruitful if we don't build our lives on his love. We can't live this life and be fruitful and, and fulfill our destiny and purpose in this world if we don't build our life on his love. You see that he loved you, he found you, he rescued you. You are his treasured possession, holy and dearly loved. He blesses you and will help you. So what does it look like for you to build your life? on this love as a firm foundation? What are you believing about yourself that is holding you back and causing you to strive for something that you were never meant to be? What are you believing that makes you think that you are not good enough, that you are a failure, that you are not useful? What difference would it make to you to pursue the unconditional love of God, to fix your eyes on Jesus and to fan into flame the gifts that God has already put in you? This morning, is the Lord telling you that, that you have been a wandering sheep, lost in some way? Maybe not in every way, but maybe in some way. Are you willing to ask the Lord each and every day to give you a fresh revelation of his love for you? A fresh revelation to see yourself as treasured, chosen, one who has a destiny. A revelation of God's love so that you see others the way that Jesus sees you. Can the band come up?
So here we have some bread and some wine. And as we come and take some of this bread and wine, just take a moment just to remind yourself that you are treasured, that you are chosen, that you are holy. Let it remind you that Jesus will always find you and love you. Let it be a provocation to you as you come here to take some bread and some wine, that Jesus loves you, and it's his love that you are to build your life upon. Maybe it could be an opportunity for you to ask for forgiveness or healing for, for parts of your life where you've not built your life upon his love. You know he's rejoicing over you right now. And as you take some of this bread and this wine, he will be rejoicing in heaven over you because you accept his love to be your firm foundation. You know, he wants to be part of every part of your life. He wants to be with you at work. He wants to be with you in the supermarket. He wants to be with you when you're on the bus or driving to work. Talk to him. Listen to him. As you take this bread... Let it remind us that Jesus' body was broken for us. Let it remind you that Jesus' brokenness was so that, that his brokenness was used to rescue you and heal, heal you, to pick you up. And today you may only see your own brokenness, your own failings. Jesus' body was broken so that it could be given away. You know, Jesus does something wonderful with our brokenness, with our failings. He takes our brokenness and our failings, and he transforms it into something that is fruitful, something that can be given away. So let's build our life on God's love because it is our firm foundation. Amen. Amen.